honor your father and your mother. My name is Jean, and I will be reading the scripture this morning. Today's scripture reading is from the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Listen for the word of God. Moses convened all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and ordinances that I am addressing to you today. You shall learn them and observe them diligently. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. Not with our ancestors did the Lord make this covenant, but with us, who are all of us here alive today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain, out of the fire. At that time, I was standing between you and the Lord to declare to you the words of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire and did not go up the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in the heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow to, down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male or female slave, or your ox or your donkey, or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your towns, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, so that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the, your Lord your God is giving you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Good morning. What a, uh, what a gracious introduction from Ingrid. Um, very humbling. October 17th, 2021. From Foster, your papa. 
to my beloved children, Rachel, Jordan, Kristen, and Bethany. Dearest children, I trust you know that this odd letter comes to you with my blessings, my warmest blessings. But yes, those blessings do not change the fact that this is an odd letter. Although in truth, I'm not certain whether I ought to describe this as the oddest letter I have ever written. Or conversely, to describe it as the strangest sermon I have ever planned to preach. Permit me to explain. A few weeks ago, Ryan Slifka, the coordinating minister at St. George Church in Courtney, contacted me to see if I might be interested in offering the sermon this particular Sunday. But Ryan, who I think all but one of you met during your stints running United Church summer camps, cautioned me that he needed a sermon that would fit into the series of sermons he's presently preaching based on commandments. He further noted that the specific commandment to be highlighted on this particular Sunday was none other than the fifth. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. To cut to the chase, I offered my yes to Ryan's offer without so much as an instant of hesitation, although to be honest. Afterwards, I did find myself wondering whether I had just managed to fall for the ultimate practical joke a millennial could play on an unsuspecting baby boomer. <laughs> Frankly, I'm not yet to be convinced that I had not. Indeed. Part of what gives pause is the realization that I am part of a generation that tended not to be especially kind to our fathers and mothers as we came of age. Whenever I hear or read something from a millennial giving us boomers a hard time, I try to recall that it was not millennials who embraced the slogan, don't trust anyone over 30. Nor does the fact that slogan was coined by a student activist too old to be counted as a baby boomer let my generation off. And again, I truly have no right to hide behind my generational context since there were certainly no shortage of my peers who were far less rebellious during the 60s and 70s than I proved to be. I know that I gave my parents some sleepless nights and for that I, I can only experience sadness since I've yet to figure out how to change the past. But also I... I can only resolve to avoid in this sermon disguised as a speaking as if I had been a perfect child with the right, like some modern-day Polonius, to offer his own children sweet-sounding admonitions. God forbid. But in truth, I, I have a second cause for concern, and 
this is a biggie. What I'm getting at is, is what I'll describe as the, the Jesus factor. After all, far from placing family on a pedestal, Jesus continually forces us to think through the ways in which family ties can prove to be an obstacle to our response to God. Already as a 12-year-old boy in the Jerusalem temple, he expressed a scarcely veiled disdain when his parents showed surprise that they found him in what he described as his father's house, by which he most certainly did not mean Joseph's house. There's also his notorious insistence on an occasion when his mother and brothers came along to check up on him that anyone who does the will of God is his mother and brother, so much for family ties. Nor should we ignore those teaching snippets in which he makes the point that even the Gentiles care for their families, meaning that the mark of one of his authentic disciples is the generosity they show to those who are not part of their affinity group. Perhaps most notoriously from a Jewish point of view is an episode found in Matthew and Luke in which a would-be disciple asks Jesus to be permitted first to bury his father, to which Jesus starkly replies, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. The fact, the fact that some of Christ's latter-day followers have no hesitation in launching groups that aim to focus on the family does not alter the fact that Jesus' own focus when it shifts to the family appears to regard family ties as, well, as something of a two-edged sword with the capacity not only to ignite but to constrain the breadth and depth of our generosity as human beings. All of which, well, all of which leads me to proceed with caution. Neither that Jesus wants me to be more obsessed with filial obligations than he appears to have been. And of course, not applying to the four of you, my children, a standard to which I did not always succeed in adhering with my own parents, which leaves me precisely where? Well, definitely leaves me in pursuit of a drink of water. <clears throat> That's unambiguous. Well, that leaves me with a key word and also with an unexpected conviction. I'll start with the unexpected conviction, a conviction that may appear to undermine the entire premise of the fifth commandment, but a conviction that seems to me entirely valid, namely, namely that the obligations and responsibilities parents owe to their children are by and large far more profound then the obligations and responsibilities children will eventually come to owe to their parents. 
When push comes to shove, it's an audacious decision to bring a child into this world, a world in which Christianity's central symbol, an instrument of torture known as the cross, provides an incisive backdrop, hauling out yet again the most utilized of my go-to quotes, I can without hesitation echo psychologist Scott Peck, whose most famous book begins with a three-word sentence, Life is Difficult. Life is indeed difficult, and despite all of the joys and miracles it has on offer, it is no small thing to choose to bring a new being into the life of the world. To do so is to take on a profound set of obligations, obligations that over time as the child grows, but obligations from which we will never be entirely set free. In short, the question of children honoring their parents is a question best understood, or so I have come to believe, within the context of the profound set of responsibilities enjoined upon parents when they give birth to a child who will one day, hopefully, hopefully, be in a position to honor them. And yes, that, that word honor, that's the word I had in mind earlier when I spoke about a conviction and a word. The word honor, I think, is the key word in the fifth commandment. Not obey your father and mother is, is Reverend Ingrid rightly pointed out, although to be fair, that formulation is found in other parts of the Torah. But honor your father and mother. Furthermore, that word is an English translation of a fascinating and important Hebrew word, part of the same family of words often it into English by the word glory. The word glory, as in what we do in this act of worship when we seek to glorify God. Now, it would, of course, be a bit much to translate the fifth commandment into English by insisting that children should glorify their parents. Although, to be fair, the core concept of the Hebrew word means to give added weight to something or someone not unlike an aging hippie responding to a piece of music by saying, wow, that was heavy. <laughs> and, and so here's the thing. When I put together that word with that conviction, it, it's hard for me to shake the impression that the single most important way, not the only way, but the single most important way in which a child can honor a parent is by paying it forward rather than by obsessing it backwards. And so permit me, at the risk of making this sermon disguised as a letter a wee bit longer, permit me to spell out what it means for a child, for one of you, my children, to honor mother and father by paying it forward. Well, let's start with the obvious. 
the most obvious way the four of you can pay it forward is by making your mom and me grandparents. <laughs> In actuality, one of you has already done that and has already discovered the unending rewards and unending challenges of becoming a parent. I know that the other three of you intend to become parents when the time is right. That is indeed a weighty honor for your mom and me. But I also know that all four of you are either already working as teachers or as training to be teachers. And that too honors us, especially your mom who homeschooled all four of you. I can think of no better way to honor her endeavors as a mom who was also your teacher than through the decision all four of you have made to undergo the disciplines and to make the needed become professional educators. That too honors us as parents, including the fact, the painful fact, that teachers no less than parents will have ample opportunities to second-guess themselves, a realization that opens the door to a rather basic question where the fifth commandment is concerned, a question of forgiveness. After all, parenting will likely prove to be the greatest challenge any of you ever undertake. Were I to compile a list of the biggest mistakes I made over 30 years of United Church ministry, I suspect I could track that list with my 10 fingers and perhaps one or two toes for good measure. Were I to attempt to track a comparable list of my mistakes as a parent, it would require many more limbs with 10 fingers or five fingers per limb. To be a parent is to be humbled over and over again, although mercifully it's also to be enchanted and delighted and uplifted over and over again. As parents, you will sometimes have to seek your child's forgiveness. And as your dad, I hope you'll send some of that forgiveness in my direction. There's that haunting story from Genesis when Noah when Noah gets drunk and while drunk becomes naked and his sons, at any rate two of his sons, cover up his nakedness. I hope the four of you are willing to protect my dignity in that sort of way. Of course, that leads to a further consideration, perhaps the most critical of all, while I have no intention of parading around naked in front of you anytime soon, <laughs> I am now 70. Rumor has it I'm not getting any younger. This, incidentally, is the facet of the fifth commandment that was of keen interest to Jesus, namely, the care a child ought to provide for parents in need. Well, while scholars continue to debate and will always debate, the context of the point Jesus makes in the chapter of Mark's gospel concerning wealthy children and their not-so-wealthy parents. The point Jesus makes in that episode is far from obscure 
Namely, that someone who has vowed to make a gift to the church should be forgiven that obligation when a needy parent requires help. Whatever else the fifth commandment meant for Christ, it clearly meant children trying their best to care for parents when such care is required. I hasten to add, neither your mom nor I have any romantic illusions about the good old days when families had no choice but to provide hands-on care for aging parents. But even now, at a time when there are good and gracious options for families with aging family members, there is still a need for advocacy. I hope and pray that the four of you will honor us by serving as our advocates as we grow older. Hopes and prayers which, of course, lead to an additional thought involving the whole question of what it means for the four of you not only to be our children, but to be... In truth, that's a theme that merits its own letter and its own sermon. Is a pastor who has done a fair share of funerals. I'm pretty sure Ryan will know what I'm talking about here. I know only too well how challenging it can be for sons and daughters to attain unity when a parent leaves this world. And yes, as a son and brother, I know how wrenching the decisions can be which need to be made by children on behalf of their aging parents. I was blessed to have a brother living in the same community as my dad and mom, who was the primary decision maker and was someone whom I could fully trust in that role. Your mom and I fully trust the four of you for those likely times when you will have to make comparable decisions for us. Given how complex such decisions can be, no doubt you'll not always be in perfect agreement. But I trust that you will work together to arrive at decisions that will be respectful of one another and will be compassionate toward the two of us, although, of course, this is yet one more of life's dimensions where we inevitably end up second-guessing ourselves. Much more could be said on that theme. I'll leave it there. Although there is one further theme, I cannot simply sweep under the rug. There is, I'm afraid, an elephant in the room. An elephant that bears the awkward name, faith. As a pastor, as a religious professional, I have no right to pretend that there is not a faith dimension, a religious dimension to what the Bible intends when it hands down the fifth commandment. Indeed, within the context of the biblical world, honoring mother and father first and foremost means embracing the faith, embracing the faith they sought to hand down to you. In truth, like so many boomers and Gen Xers and Truthfully, going back even further to my parents' and grandparents' generations, our success rate at handing down the faith has been spotty at best. Only one of the four of you belongs to a church community. 
The other three of you are all in some sense seekers, if not specifically religious seekers, certainly seekers eager to discover and claim meaning and purpose for your lives, which always entails finding meaning and purpose within the life of the world. But such seeking falls far short of an actual embrace of what the old hymn spoke of as the faith of our fathers. And yet, I would be the ultimate hypocrite were I to give you grief over this, given the fact that I honored my far-from-observant, though far-from-nominally-Jewish parents, by becoming a Christian. Given the rather tortured path that led me to the doors of the church, not the specific church, but uh, the church, I'm well aware that there is no magic formula that I could hand you that would be guaranteed to affect the same process for the three of you who remain outside of the church. And yes, given all of the question marks, all of the question marks that haunt the institutional church in the year of our Lord 2021, frankly, I cannot blame any of you for exercising caution. On the one hand, I'm enough of a universalist to approach all of this without fretting that your salvation is somehow on the line unless your mom and I find a way to shoehorn you into the church. On the other hand, I remain stubbornly convinced that the gift of the gospel, which is to say the gift of Jesus Christ, is the most precious of all God's good gifts and yes, your old man can only hope and pray that each of you in your own time and place will have the privilege of unwrapping that gift. In the meantime, well, in the meantime, I find myself going back to the garden, that garden, not the one behind our house on which your mom lavishes such devotion, but the ancient garden known as Eden. Long before the fifth commandment or any of the other commandments were handed down, our first parents were commanded to be fruitful and to multiply. At the risk of going terminally sentimental on the four of you, I hear strains of that not-so-ancient ditty from Fiddler on the Roof, to life, to life, l'chaim. And yes, placing to one side any and all questions of faith, affirmation, and religious affiliation. I am thrilled that I can affirm that all four of you have chosen, as parents, as would-be parents, as educators, as would-be educators, all of you have chosen to live faithful lives, by which I mean lives that clearly demonstrate a desire to affirm life, a deep desire to walk fruitful paths, and in the process of doing that, lives that honor your mom and me. With that, I must close. As always, dear children, Rachel, Jordan, Kristen, and Bethany, may God bless and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God's countenance lift upon you and grant you peace. Amen.
Teach us.